Welcome to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. The fact that you're listening means you're ready to be inspired and empowered to take your life, love, and leadership to the next level. Hello, my friends. Welcome back in Happy New Year. As we begin the year, we're going to start an adventure on something called the Enneagram. And this has been something that I have been just diving into over the last six months or so. It's probably been one of the most influential things that has helped me in my personal awareness and interpersonal relationships. And today I have with me a special guest, my best friend, Justin Bender. Justin, welcome to the podcast, bro. Yes, I am here. I am so excited to be talking about the Enneagram and hanging out with you. Well, thank you. And the reason why Justin is on the podcast is because Justin's actually the one who introduced me to the Enneagram. And Justin, I think it was probably a year, year and a half ago, you're like, Matt, have you taken the Enneagram test? I'm like, no, what is that? And then you're like, you know, a year later, Matt, have you taken the Enneagram test? No, what is that? (laughs) So Justin, I know for you, you said, Matt, this has been one of the most impactful things for you. And you've taken a lot of personality tests, right? Strength finders assessments. Oh yeah, all of them, every one of them. So tell me, why has this thing, this Enneagram, and again, for those of you who are going, what is the Enneagram? We're going to unpack that here in just a moment. It's a personality test, but it's way bigger than that. Why has that been so impactful for you and your relationship with your own wife and for yourself personally? Yes. So just like you said, I have taken every personality test, strengths, finders, like all those different assessments for jobs and just for personal growth, college, I did a bunch of them. And one of the common denominators in all of those tests was the idea that it kind of categorized people around what they did, around their actions. And, you know, obviously every tool is useful for a certain task. And so I would read those assessments and be like, okay, well, I do these things. And so I'm kind of lumped into this group and that sort of thing. And with the Enneagram, it's not about kind of categorizing people around their actions, but around their motivation, around what's really behind the action, what's really going on beneath the surface. And one of the things that, Matt, you've known about me for a long time, and I want to share on this podcast, is the idea that I am obsessed with the question of why. (laughs) Why do I do what I do? Why do people around me do what they do? Because if I can understand a little bit more of why, then I can start to grow and change. Because if I don't know why, if I'm just ignorant, then I have no useful way to move forward. And the Enneagram has been one of the most, I guess, balanced, helpful, insightful, nuanced assessments that really gets to the heartbeat about why I operate the way that I do, the motive behind the way that I operate. And so for my marriage, it has been so helpful because not only is it showing me why I'm doing what I'm doing, but it's helping me understand my wife and what she's doing more clearly. We've been married for 12 years now, and I feel like we're finally over this last year now getting on the same page. After 12 years of marriage, we have two kids. I feel like oh, now I understand what's going on here. So yes, it's been incredibly helpful. And I know we're going to dive even more into that as we go forward. 
That's awesome. And, you know, as my friend, you are such an intellectual, you are playful, you inspire your challenge. And so when you told me like, Matt, this has been a game changer in my relationship. I'm like, oh my gosh, I really need to lean into this because if Justin's saying it's big, Mm -hmm. it's got to be big. And that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast is to give some color to our world here. You know, obviously most of us, we don't know Justin. And so for those of you who are listening, Justin was my college roommate. (laughs) We lived together a little while ago <laughs> it was a little while ago a few years ago you know it was like i think last year two years ago and justin has been an artist from a musician standpoint he's a pastor for years he led his own church and owns his own construction business today and so what you're going to learn about the enneagram is how it will impact your awareness of yourself but also help you realize like am i in the right career am i in the right job and is this yeah. a fit for me? I mean, it has effects that will play into so many different areas of life, not just relationship. And so, you know, the whole idea, you guys, behind the Enneagram is that we all have predictable reoccurring patterns of behaviors that create a tension in which we don't know when our mask ends and we begin. And what's interesting is that the word personality is derived from the Greek word mask. And the word persona is actually reflecting our tendencies to fuse the masks we wear with our true selves, even long after our childhood has passed. And Justin and I have been really influenced. There's a lot of great books out there on the Enneagram. It's actually an ancient test, but Justin has introduced me. And where did you hear this for the first time? The book is called The Road Back to You. Who introduced you to this? Yes, there's actually a pastor here in Indianapolis who started a Methodist church a few decades ago and then ended up leaving that church and then was just a spiritual growth pastor at a large church here in India. My wife, Chris, and I, we just started meeting with him just regularly. This was before we had kids just because we loved this man. He was such a joyful, wonderful man to talk to. And he was the first one who ever said, hey, have you ever heard about this? That was maybe six years ago. Yeah, six years ago, I think now. So we kind of did the assessment, but that was really it. We never kind of dove into it or really went that far with it. He just first gave us kind of the numbers and we started even trying to figure out what numbers we were. I was able to find out mine, but Kristen really didn't even know what her number was for a long time. And then this past year, Kristen, my wife, started reading a book called The Road Back to You. And I know this book has gotten a lot of traction now in this last year. And The Road Back to You is really just kind of a first step into the Enneagram. So she started reading it and she just stopped. And she's like, Justin, you won't even believe this. I'm reading about the Enneagram and I found out what number I am. And for us, One of the things that I have to say right now is that my wife has been one of those people that have taken assessments for the last decade and a half, and she has never, never felt like an assessment has ever truly kind of shown her what she's like or how she operates or her actions or motivations or anything. Like she's always felt like, yeah, there's a little bit right in there, but most of it is not correct. And this was the first time she ever felt like, whoa, they just read my mail. So she started telling me what it was saying about her and my jaw drops. And I'm like, wait, what? 
and she's a nine, which we'll get into at some point. But, you know, one of the things about a nine is they kind of become a chameleon where they don't really have a voice. They kind of become like the other people around them just to be a peacemaker in the lives of others. All of a sudden, our entire marriage made sense <laughs> when she started talking about how nines operate and their motivations and their desires and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, it was like the scales fell from our eyes. We're like, oh my gosh, that's why this and this and this and this and this. So after she told me about her, I was like, oh my gosh, I want this book. I need. So I got the audio book and I just started listening every day at work. And then I started getting podcasts. There's a lot of different podcasts out there. So I started listening to everything, just taking it all in, doing my own research on the subject, reading other books, that sort of thing. And it's just been so profound for us. That's so cool. First of all, for those of you who are like, what is this book? It's called The Road Back to You. It's by Ian Crone and Suzanne Stable. And let's just start from the beginning. For those of you who are like, I've never heard of the Enneagram. What the heck is that? And how do you spell that? So those of you who want to spell it and you're like somewhere we can write down, it's E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. So Justin, where did the Enneagram get its name and kind of unpack what is it? Honestly, I didn't even know what it meant and what it was until the other day when we were having our conversation and I was looking for our notes for this podcast. But Enya, you said the Greek is the word for nine and yeah. then gram is, is word for drawing, right? So it's a nine-pointed drawing. So that just describes the kind of diagram. So if you go online, you can Google this, or if you look at the road back to you, there's an actual nine-pointed drawing that talks about the nine different personality types that encompass really all of us. And there's a lot of nuance. And I know that a lot of people who even hear this, who are like, you can't pin me down. I'm not a number at all. The great thing for you to hear right now is no, you are not a number. And the whole point of the Enneagram is to get us beyond just a number, is to get us to become a holistic person who doesn't just do our number thing. But all of us will have our kind of strengths and our weaknesses, and most of them will be defined within one of these numbers. And this is really an ancient idea that was surrounded around the seven deadly sins, if you can believe that. Actually, all of these numbers have like a core weakness that can be associated with something specific, like gluttony or anger or all sorts of stuff that we'll dive into in a little bit here. But that's really where it comes from. So it's a very, very ancient thing that nowadays in the last, you know, two, three, four decades, psychologists have taken this diagram and they've expounded on it and they've really crafted it into something that is extremely profound and nuanced and detailed that will help us all grow to become a much better and bigger person. Oh, it's awesome. And for any of the listening who have some like past church PTSD and you just threw up in your mouth when you heard Justin talk about the seven deadly sins, stay with us. It's okay. All right. There's Amen. Something, there's something big here about like, oh, these are shadow sides or wounds that we all have. If you don't want to use the word sin, you can use the word wound. And I think that's true. That's what's so beautiful about the Enneagram. It exposes two things. As you said, Justin, number one, our core motivation, which is why we do what we do. And number two, our wounds. And the truth is, you know, your personality 
is the predictable way that you act, react, and process information as we see the world. And it can, in time, limit or even imprison us. And Ian Cron said one time, he says, you know, I wonder if we no longer have a personality, but our personality has us. Yeah. And I love that. I was like, oh my gosh, that is so powerful. The truth is, there is gold in each and every person. And I love the simplicity of the Enneagram because it just gives you one number. And so it's like, oh, I can remember that one number. Like I've taken like Myers-Briggs, you know, and DISC mm -hmm. profile. And it's like, wait, I'm an EFNFPJ. What is that? So number mm -hmm. one, I found two things. A, I don't even remember my letters. And B, if I do remember my letters, I have no idea what those letters mean. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> and so totally agreed. what's the point? Oh, there is none. So the point of the Enneagram is not just to have some good information. It's about transformation. It's yes. about life integration of awareness and then understanding how it connects with the relationship, which is why I love you, Justin, who are like, this has impacted my marriage. And oh, yeah. It's like, oh, okay, now I'm interested in learning yes. more about this. Yeah. Pastor Joe Freeman, he actually just recently retired in the last few years here in Indianapolis. This is the guy who taught Chris and I about it like six years ago, and we never did anything with it. But he would basically say, and I, I know, Matt, you're a man of faith. I'm a man of faith. And I know some of our listeners, they don't care about any of that. And that's totally fine. And so one of the ways that he described it, which, you know, we can make it as nuanced as we want here. But he said, you know, the Enneagram is kind of like, if God were like to take his hand off of me for like a second, just lift his hand off. Just all the grace and mercy was just away from me. What weakness would I like dive into? Like mm -hmm. what area of my life would I just go into a tailspin? And that's usually where you can pinpoint kind of your number. <laughs> the thing that will really rock your world. So, you know, for anybody who's not religious, not faith-based, it's like, where's the one area? If you took all of your awareness out of it and you just got real lazy or just apathetic and you just allowed yourself to do whatever the most base instinct was, what would that look like in your life? And the Enneagram is trying to help you become aware of that kind of blind spot in your life so that you can grow so much better and bigger beyond anything you could ever imagine. For sure. And it's also like the gold that's in you, the beauty that's in you and the parts that are like, oh yeah, this is what's great about my type. And so if you hear us say your number or your type, those are interchangeable terms that we're going to be using throughout this podcast. And this is actually going to be, I think like an 11 week series we're going to do because there's so much depth to this. But just so you guys know, the nine types, again, that's what we naturally gravitate towards. So, you know, you adopt it as a child to cope and feel safe. And each type has a distinct way of seeing the world and an underlying motivation that powerfully influences how each type thinks, feels, and acts. And again, Justin, you did a really good job saying like people like push back, well, what the heck? Like, you know, how in the world could 7 billion people be boiled down to nine types? Like, isn't that just a little bit like too simple? And I love saying, you know, everybody's like a snowflake, okay? Like no one snowflake is the same, but every snowflake is made up of the exact same stuff. <laughs> sure. The point, yeah. we're not all that different. You know, I think Ian, Suzanne, they talked about how like, just as there's a limitless number of paint color variations as you go to Home Depot or Lowe's to pick out a color to paint your wall, yes. all those colors are boiled down to the same primary colors. Yep. And so I think that it's simple and yet there's a nuance that you can take this as much as you want. 
so cool. So, you know, let's just go through like a brief overview of each type or number just to whet our appetite. So let's start with the one. What is that one, Justin? So the one would be labeled the perfectionist. The perfectionist is the type of person that has to make sure that everything is right. Everything is correct. Typically, it's kind of like the engineer brain. It's a lot more of an introverted type of people that really believe that there is a right way and a wrong way to do a task, and I am going to do it the right way. Yeah. So perfectionists, they're ethical, they're dedicated, they're reliable people. I mean, they're the people who say yes, they mean yes. And so would you say that their core motivation is a desire to live the right way and improve the world and avoid fault and blame? Absolutely. Yeah. So like when you get into those core motivations, we're going to get into this for every single one. That's really the heartbeat behind each of these numbers. So if we even take a step back here, we talked just about personality, like you hit on it just a few minutes ago. But the idea of personality is just this thing that we've created since we were a child in order to get where we thought we needed to get in the world. So like I learned growing up that if I act this way that I can get through it either through pain or through good things or I can do well in school like socially I can do whatever right we take on these attributes that become our personality our mask and then we just feel like oh well this is the way that I'm gonna get ahead in the world and it's all as a way to cope with our insecurities our inadequacies our weaknesses and so we're trying to cover up and protect ourselves from the world and so every single one of these numbers has that desire to cover up one of these core beliefs that they have that i am not good enough and so for a one is i need to be perfect because if i don't act right if i don't live right if i don't do this right i won't be loved Hmm. I won't be accepted. So that's really the fear that drives a one. And you're going to see what's so great again about the Enneagram is it's going to tell you a lot of the why. So like why someone does what they do. And a lot of times you're going to see two different people, maybe who are ones even, who do totally different actions. But behind those actions is still this, I've got to do it the right way. And there's a wrong way. And I got to even correct other people if they do it the wrong way. It's not even just I have to do it, but I have to make sure other people know too. Like this is the right way to do it. Now, if you have a spouse out there who has told you exactly how they need to load the dishwasher, they are a one. 100% <laughs> of the time, if someone needs to tell you how to load the dishwasher, they're a one. You know, I think the majority of airline pilots are ones. Doctors typically are ones. Astronauts far and away are one types because these are people who like details have to matter to them, right? There is a right and a wrong way. And it's so important. That's awesome. And for those of you who think maybe I'm a one, uh, we'll dive more into that because as the weeks progress, we're going to dive deep into each and every type and even interview other types based on you know their number and see what that looks like in real life. In fact, we're actually going to bring Justin back as he's a seven. So we'll unpack that in a little bit. But as we go through this real quick, I just want to give you an overview. Type two is the helper, you guys. The helper is warm, they're caring, they're giving, and their core motivation is a deep need to be loved and needed and to avoid acknowledging their own needs. Okay. 
So we're going to dive into that. And then type three, Justin, what's type three? Go ahead and unpack that one. Type three is the achiever. That would be me, you guys. I'm the three <laughs> through and through. So <laughs> yes, you are. I think you're like a three with a three wing. I think that's the, yeah. Yeah, totally. We'll talk about wings here in a little bit, but yeah, yeah I'm a yeah. three with a three wing. So the achiever, some people call it the performer. You guys, these are success-oriented, image-conscious. They are people who are wired for productivity, and their core motivation is actually the need to appear to be successful and to avoid failure at all costs. That is a three. You know, Justin, I love that example of a one. You could be a one, but you express that in different ways. In a three, you could be a three, but you talked about how like, man, I've seen some people who are motivated by money. Some other threes are motivated by titles and some other threes are motivated by fans or followers, right? Mm -hmm. All threes, they look different, but the, the core motivation is the same. Absolutely. And so that's huge. So that's a three. The four is called the individualist or the romantic. And this is the person who's creative. They're sensitive. They can be moody. They're okay with the world of melancholy. And their core motivation is a need to be understood, experience their oversized feelings and avoid being ordinary. That's They the definitely four. have an Instagram account. for sure a lot of artists are this way you know musicians oh yes through and through so that's the four the five is called the investigator and the investigator is the person who's analytical they're oftentimes introverted they're detached they're very private trust is a big thing sometimes a barrier in relationships and so their core motivation is a need to gain knowledge and data analytics they conserve energy and they avoid relying on other people. And so that's the investigator number five. And number six, it's called the loyalist. The loyalist is committed, they're practical, they're witty, but they're also worst case scenario thinkers. And their core motivation, you guys, is fear. Now we all have fear in every number, but theirs big time comes out in fear and anxiety. And so there's a big need for the core motivation of security and certainty. And then type seven, type seven, this is Justin Bender through and through. Justin is the enthusiast. So the seven, they're super fun. They're spontaneous. They're adventurous. You know, like notes. I don't want notes. Like, we don't do that. Like, let's just flow, right? And their core motivation is to be happy, to plan stimulating experiences. They live in the future. They want to avoid pain. At all costs. At all costs. And so you're going to hear more from Justin on that later on. But type eight, this is my wife's Sarah, you're going to hear from next week. And this is the challenger. They're the commanders. They are intense. They can be confrontational or people are like, I hate conflict. Eights are like, bring it. And so their core motivation is a need to be strong and avoid feeling weak or vulnerable. And so that's the eight. And then nine, last but not least, is the peacemaker. And this is your wife. This is Kristen. And so the peacemaker- Our wives couldn't be more opposite. They couldn't be more opposite. They're totally different. (laughs) And so the peacemaker is pleasant. They're laid back and accommodating. And some people talk about a nine being like a comfy chair. You know, Mm -hmm. like who doesn't love a nine? You just love hanging out with them. And their core motivation is a need to keep the peace and merge with others and avoid conflict at all costs. 
and so as you're listening, maybe now you're starting to get an idea of which of these nine types you might belong to, or maybe which one explains your spouse, you know, or significant other or something like that. But this is just the beginning. Okay. So in the future, again, we're going to dive deep into each and every number or type. It's going to be a ton of fun and extremely helpful. So right now, don't be discouraged if the terminology seems confusing. I promise if you stick with us through this series of this podcast, it will make sense to you in no time at all. And so it's really good if you can get, as Justin said, a Google document and just type in Enneagram and you can see a picture come up with that. But if you have access to a picture, I want to talk about the next part of understanding the Enneagram, which is triads. So Justin, I know that out of the nine numbers on the Enneagram, they're divided into three triads. How are those triads broken down? There is the fear triad. Yes. And so the fear triad, you guys, is also known as the head triad. And so that is the five, the six, and the seven. So the investigator, the loyalist, and the enthusiast. And so they will be in the fear triad. That's right. And so if you think about the Enneagram, think about nine divided by three is three, right? So it's three sections. So there's three different numbers in it in every single one of these triads. So there's the fear triad, Yeah, there's the heart triad or the feeling triad, and that's the two, three, and four. And then lastly, there's the anger or gut triad, and that is the eight, the nine, and the one. And so each of these triads, they're driven by an emotion in part of the body known as the center of intelligence. And so basically, your triad, you guys, is how you habitually take in, process, and even respond to life. And so, for example, though, just as Justin said, like, okay, Maybe the triad of eight, nine, and one is the anger or gut triad, but they can all three take on life instinctively differently at a gut level. They actually all three can feel things bodily, you know, somatically at a greater level than almost any other one of the numbers. But here's how they deal with anger. So the eight externalizes anger. The nine forgets it. (laughs) Yeah. The conflict, what conflict? And push it. Cram it. And then the one, the perfectionist internalizes it. And so they smolder. And so that's the triad there. And then number two, the feeling or heart triad, which again is the number two, three, or four, they take in and relate to life from their heart and are more image conscious than all the other numbers. Okay. But they're different, right? The two, what they do is that they focus outwardly on the feelings of others. They're very keen and aware on the feelings of others. The three, they actually have trouble recognizing their own feelings at all but they understand even though they're having them even though they're having them all the time exactly it's like and we know how to perform well based on the emotion that's needed in the moment but we don't necessarily have to be aware of what they are ourselves i'm speaking personally because i am a three and Mm -hmm. the four is person who concentrates their attention inwardly on their feelings so they're very conscious they gush gush their emotions Yes. And so they can be very passionate people. And so that's that triad. And then the last one here is the fear or head triad. And Justin, this is where you kind of bounce in. This is the five, six, or seven. And they take in and relate to the world through the mind. And they can carefully think before they act. But they do so a little bit differently. Like when it comes to fear or head, the five externalizes it. 
the six really tries to forget it. You know, fear, what fear? I don't have fear because they actually have so much anxiety. They try to forget it. And then the seven internalizes it in their head. And so, you know, the sevens can be the life of the party and, you know, super like emotionally. I always thought, man, wouldn't the seven be in the heart triad because they're so fun, but they're actually very heady. They're very intelligent. They love to think and learn. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this explains Justin so much. <laughs> like you love the process yeah. and internalize. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, and the thing about the sevens, which I know better than any other number, is that we feel that fear all the time, all the time. I mean, that's a scary feeling. That's a very painful experience to experience pain. So what we do instead is we'll flip the fear and turn it into an optimistic thing. So a seven is always living in the future. So like, let's say your car just broke down as a seven. So instead of being like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I don't have money. You know, how are we going to make this work? I have to tow it. I have to get this, whatever you'd be thinking. Okay. Well, but now I get to buy a new car. That's a seven is <laughs> like, okay, I'm not going to feel this pain. I'm not going to feel this difficulty. I'm scared, but you know what? If I just kind of lie to myself and I just, you know, but actually this is a really great thing because we'll get a new car. So that's how we experience fear. Totally. You have the gift of turning a silver lining into anything. Yes. So, Which can also be the curse, right? Yeah. And so yeah. what's important, you guys, as you're listening to this is as we progress into this series of learning the Enneagram, because of the triads, we won't actually go through each type in numerical order, meaning we won't start with number one and go through nine. Instead, we'll group them into the patterns they are and then go from there. So if you see us start with eight, which is what we're going to do, don't freak out and think we just missed one through seven. Like stay with us and we're going to go through it. Now let's take it a step deeper into a nuance. So once you find your type, and again, we'll talk about how to go about finding your type, but there's something called a wing number, right? That you have. What is a wing number? You just brought it up. Like I'm a three with a three wing, you know, like yeah. I have no wing. What is a Right. Whatever number you are, a wing will be the number that is below it or above it. So if you are an eight, which we're going to talk about, a wing would be an eight with a seven wing or an eight with a nine wing. And so what that means is you have the ability to access that wing number easier than just about any other number on the Enneagram. Just like we said, like just because you have a primary number doesn't mean every single thing that you do will always look like that number. Of course not. Just like there's over a million different shades of colors, there's going to be different shades of these numbers, but you're going to have an easier access. So as a seven, then I have an eight wing. So that means I have a pretty and easier time accessing the eights characteristics than I do any other number on the Enneagram. It's just the one that's bordering my number. And so it's easier to get to for me. Right. Which is the challenger. And so it's yes. like, okay, I can step forward. I can be strong. It can be powerful. You know, I can handle confrontation a little bit easier than some other ones. And so that's the wing response. So every wing is the number closest to you on either side. Yes. So that's behaviors. So not necessarily the core motivation is what really defines your number. The behaviors, you know, you'll have a lot of behaviors or tendencies within your core number, but then you can, as you said, spring to some other ones. Your wing is one of them. And then there's two more big ones. It's called your stress and security numbers. So what is that? What is the stress and security number, Justin? Stress and security number. So every number on the Enneagram will have 
two other numbers that are numbers that you will go to in that you will look like in stress and number that you will look like when things are going well, when you're doing well, when the time of plenty, if you will. And so for me as a seven, in times of stress, when things are difficult at home and when work's hard and I'm exhausted and all that, my stress number is a one. And again, if you can go on Google and just type in Enneagram diagram, you'll see the diagram and then you'll see these little arrows that are coming in and out of the numbers. And those are pointing to your good and bad numbers, if you will. I go to one in stress, which is that anger number, kind of the perfectionist. So I get really critical of the people around me because they're not doing it right and they're doing it wrong, and I'm very confident of how things should go, and I get pretty intense and hard to deal with when I'm not doing great, when I'm stressed out. And then when things are going well, I go to a five, which is kind of an analytical thinker type. And it's really ironic. A lot of these numbers, when you start to get healthy and really start working on the shadow side of your number and the weakness side of your number, you really start to see the opposite side of who you are come out. And so for me, it's like as a seven, you think I'd be like, if I'm doing well, I'm super outgoing and I'm going to hang out with everyone and it's just going to be fun all the time. It's like when I'm doing well, I get like very introverted and I like to be by myself and I think a lot more deeply about things. I like to just kind of be home with my family on a Friday night, uh, which is totally different than how I used to be. So that's just kind of how those numbers work. And again, whatever number you are, you will have two other numbers that you will go to when you're doing well and when you're not doing well. Mm. And when you guys look at the Google document, the arrow that points away from your number is the number you go to under stress, like when you're taxed and under fire. And the number, the arrow that's going towards your number is the number that you are when you are feeling secure and stable and life is good. And so, for example, another one is the eight. The eight goes to a two, the helper, the lover, the warm, inviting person when they are in security. And then they go to the five the investigator when they are under stress. And so it goes differently. They become that person who they wall off. They don't just have boundaries. They wall off, they hide, they recluse, they don't trust. And so they take on that, those parts. See, isn't that kind of ironic there? I feel like even just hearing that from you, I don't know the numbers super well and knowing like insecurity and stress where every single number goes. But to know that like an eight, who's like this very powerful, challenging, like we're going to conquer the world. They love when people tell them they can't do something. Like yes. that's, oh my gosh. If you have an eight in your life, one of the best things you can do for them is just to be like, I don't know if that can really be done. And then just see them be like, oh, well, I'm going to prove to you I can do that, right? And so to see like an eight, when they're in security, when they're doing well, when things are good and they're like right on, they go to a two, which is a help. Like that's somebody who like is not really thinking about what they can accomplish, you know, how they're going to challenge and get it with. But that's like, I want to be there and try to help this person. And I'm thinking about how other people are doing. Like that is a very interesting juxtaposition yeah. where like, I feel like that happens with all the numbers. It's just so interesting to see how our numbers, when we start to work on ourselves, we're in that security and like we grow so much bigger than we think we even can. Yeah. People think of the eight as the Donald Trumps of the world. They're hard. You know, they got a tough shell on them. But deep underneath that hard shell is a soft, tender being. And that's where their two comes out. So it's quite interesting to be able to see 
In fact, I remember there was an interesting conversation. We were hanging out playing basketball together. And I remember uh, you asked me the question, hey, which Enneagram number do you not get along with the most or that irks you the most? And I remember, you know, you said like, oh, sometimes like an unhealthy one or an unhealthy three. And I said for me, an unhealthy nine. And I remember like saying that. And then I went back to that diagram of the Enneagram. And I looked at where your seven and my three goes to under fire and under stress. You go to a one (laughs) and I go to a nine. Those are the numbers we both said are like the ones that annoy us the most. And Uh uh, is it possible that what we're seeing is an unconscious projection of our own state of ourselves that we don't know? I totally think that's absolutely accurate. And I haven't made that connection I mean, I'm just hearing that right now. I absolutely think that something deep inside of us hates that about us. And so we see it much more in the other people around us. And it just deeply bothers us for sure. Yeah. So for listeners, the whole point around wings, stress numbers, and security numbers is this. While your motivation you know, is based on your number, and that never changes, your behavior can be influenced by all these other four numbers. And so that's why you can see yourself, well, sometimes that's true of me, but other times I feel like I'm a four, or I'm a five, or I'm a two. And so that's very important then, especially if you're going to read the book, or you're just going to listen to this podcast series, is to not just look at your behavior, but also your core motivation. Again, that's why you do what you do. Now with that, again, and Justin, you've talked about this as you talked about the seven deadly sins, but there is this idea of not only the gold in you, but there's your shadow side. And so while each number has its strengths, there's these dark sides to our number, right? And so in the podcast, we're going to dive deeper into these, but I would love to just start with like what these shadow sides are for each one, just so that you can be keenly aware and just kind of hit them really quick. So here's some descriptions and these descriptions actually are derived from the book called The Wisdom of the Enneagram. This is where it comes from. So the number one, your shadow side or your sin is anger. Okay. And you have a compulsive need to perfect the world. And you are keenly aware that neither yourself or anyone else could possibly live up to your high standards, but you experience anger in the form of smoldering resentment. Mm-hmm. That's the one. The two, the sin of that one or the shadow side is what's called pride. And so what the two does, you're like, how is that possible? They're so helpful. Well, what they do is they direct their attention and energy of others while disavowing having any of their own. They have a secret belief that they alone, and this is where the pride comes from, that they alone know what's best for others and thus they are indispensable and there reveals their prideful spirit. So that's the two. The three is deceit. And oh my gosh, this one read my mail. We get into the three, I'll tell you more about this. But the threes, they value appearance over substance. And so they will abandon their true selves to project this like false crowd pleasing image. And threes, they buy into their own performance and they deceive themselves and they start to even believe their own lie. Or maybe it's not a lie, but it's like we stretch the truth. And so you start believing that you have to wear a persona based on the lie that you are loved based on what you do. And so deceit is there. It's huge. So that's number three. The four, their shadow side is envy. And the fours envy because they believe that they're actually missing something essential without which they will never be complete. And so they envy what they perceive to be wholeness and happiness of other people and they don't have it. So they envy what other people have. Number five is greed. 
the investigator, that's their shadow side. And so they hoard those things they believe will allow them to live independent, self-sustaining existences. And so what happens is this withholding ultimately leads them to their holding back love and affection from other people. So that's the five. The six is fear. And so this is their shadow side. Forever imagining the worst case scenario and questioning their ability to handle life on their own. And so six, what they do is they oftentimes turn to authority figures and belief systems to provide them with the support and the security and the certainty that they yearn for. That's a big one, which we'll unpack more when we get to the six. The seven, gluttony, to avoid painful feelings. That's it. And sevens love to gorge themselves on positive experiences. And so they love planning. Yeah, planning for the future, anticipating new adventures, entertainment, interesting ideas. You know, they're never satisfied. And so the sevens are frenzied pursuit in their destruction. The epitome of ADD. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. So that's the seven. And then the eight, they call eight lust. Now it's not lust in terms of like sexual lust. What they mean is eight's lust after intensity. And so it can be seen in excessiveness, you know, in everyday life, in every area of life even. It can be seen in their domineering, their confrontational approach. And eights, you know, present a hard, intimidating exterior to mask vulnerability. And then lastly, number nine, the shadow side of a nine is sloth. And sloth is that thing that refers to not necessarily physical sloth, but like almost like spiritual and emotional laziness. And so nines fall asleep to their own priorities and personal developments and responsibilities. They can become easily distracted and they end up failing to become the person they want to be if they're unhealthy. And so the true purpose of the Enneagram, you guys, is to reveal our shadow side, not to read your mail and be like, look at you, see how you suck. It's to be like, oh no, no, this is to be able to see how we can struggle well through coming face to face with our dark side so that we can know why we go there and how to overcome it. And so it'll always be, you know, our default setting, so to speak, but you don't have to be a slave to your default setting. Like you can talk yourself off a proverbial ledge. And one of the great things about the Enneagram we're going to learn was say it again and again, is that you can't change what you see, but you can change how you see it. And that's going to be one of the biggest things in the world. And so you actually gave an example of Kristen in this. She's like, Kristen's a nine. She's the peacemaker, right? Mm -hmm. And you talked about how she was like, oh my gosh, you asked her to do something. She said she wanted to do something. And then she did everything else but that one thing. That's it my entire life. That's every day. With, <laughs> and she got, like, This is our, like, our household joke now over the last year, year and a half. is just like, if she says, I'm just going to quickly go up to the gas station. Just like, we ran out of milk. I have two small but growing little boys. And they just dominate milk all the time. So we're always out. We always run at the gas station more. And she's like, okay, I'll all run up grab some milk it's like five ten minutes right she comes back in like an hour and i'm like <laughs> what you went to get oh well i forgot that i actually wanted to go to cvs because i wanted to get this and that and then i started talking to the cashier and she was talking about this this and this and it oh my gosh it's 
always. In fact, tonight I had to have a conversation because I was going to do this podcast. And she was like, hey, I'm going to go up to just do one quick thing. I'm going to go deliver this present or whatever to a friend. I looked at her and I'm just like, okay, honey, then you can't get distracted and go do eight other things that you feel like you want to do right now. Because with a nine, it's not about being lazy or slothful in action, but it's more about being busy doing the things that you don't need to be doing. You don't really want to do the priority things because those aren't that much fun. You want to just do the things that you want to be doing and that'll distract you from what you should be doing. And so I think where you're going in this whole conversation right now is just this idea that what the Enneagram is trying to do is just to pinpoint that area in your life that is a potential blind spot for us. It's like that Pastor Joe guy said to us before, like, hey, if I just stopped working on me or if God took his hand off of me and all the grace got removed from my life, like I would dive into the gluttony stuff. Like I would just consume energy entertainment and just pleasure and like I wouldn't want pain at all I would completely ignore anything that would be difficult in my life like I would just go down that direction and that will kill my marriage that will kill my children that will kill everyone around me that will destroy lives in my wake <laughs> if I don't work on that and what's so great about the Enneagram, what I've found is that as you start to learn about all these numbers and start to hear about their motivations and start to learn about why someone's a one and a two and a three and all this, you will start to have so much empathy and grace for that person, including your spouse. Like I can tell you over the last year, finding out why my wife does what she does, no longer am I thinking she's doing this just to excuse me for saying, but piss me off. Like, wow. this is no longer like, she's just trying to piss me off. Like, no, it's like, oh, she's doing this because she has this motivation. Like, she has something that's causing her to get distracted, something that she doesn't want conflict at all. So she will avoid it and cram it and run from conflict. And that drives me nuts because I'm like, like, I don't want the conflict, but I want to at least get past it. And so for 11 years of our marriage, I've been like, why won't she do this? And she's just trying to make me mad and she knows my buttons. But that's never been what it's been about. She's had this core fear and this core belief. And so now I'm starting to learn and be like, oh, no, she's doing that because of this. And so now if I can talk to her about that thing, we can grow and I can learn to love her better and love who she is and even help both of us get on the same page. And if you're not married, this is in your office with your boss, your coworkers, with your friends, with your mom or dad or kids, like learning what their numbers are and what your number is. You guys start to get common language and understanding about who the other is and what they want and what their fears are so that you can start to have empathy and not just always be thinking, well, they're just trying to piss me off. They're just trying to do this because they know it'll make me mad. No, most of the time people aren't doing that to make you mad. It's not about you. Most of the time it's they're doing it because there's a deep-seated fear or insecurity. And if we don't get beyond that, we will be a lesser person. And I want to grow so my kids can lead a better life, so my wife can have a better life, so our neighbors can have a better life. And that's why I'm so passionate about doing the work of the Enneagram. It is about showing you what your good side is, but even more so, like it's giving you real tangible steps 
to work on you to get beyond your number because you are not a number you are bigger than your personality your personality and your number are just a mask that you need to get beyond and so don't use your number as like oh well that's just me i'm just a seven i just want to get away from pain no you need to lean into pain and, and that's something that i've been trying to do and at least now i'm aware of it <laughs> enough that i can start to catch myself so yeah that's why i'm so excited about it and as we go through it i know we'll talk more that's awesome. I love two things. Number one, I remember Kristen saying to you, like when she got distracted, oh, that's just my nine. And what the Enneagram brought you was a common language. Yes. To be able to have compassion for each other. I love that. That is so powerful. And I love what you just said of how we are beyond our number. Like your number is probably never going to change, but like you're bigger than your number. Like you can have the healthy parts of every type of number, but it is kind of the framework of the mask that we wear. And a lot of people ask, well, where does that start? You know, is that at the beginning of your marriage? And I was like, no, it's in childhood. Psychologists actually, you guys say that it starts about age six. <laughs> My daughter's six. So here it goes. And so <laughs> our minds begin to pick up the these statements and we wear these masks. And so some of the messages that we receive in childhood are unconsciously life-giving. They're wonderful while others wound us. And so most of us unknowingly surrender our lives to the messages that most perforate our beauty, unfortunately. And so I think we should remind ourselves of this more often. I think we'd be a lot kinder to each other and ourselves if we did. Again, in the next episode, we're going to unpack how that plays in childhood more. But I was giving you a quick example in childhood. For example, a two, they might happily give up their Cheez-Its at lunch to buy love. <laughs> while fives are observing the other kids kids at play and before tentatively choosing to join in. And so all of that is a protection thing. And so these kids are projecting their unconscious tendencies and the mass they're hoping will protect them. And so they're growing into their number essentially. And so the good news is guys, there's actually healing messages that we will choose to take into our thoughts and feelings and behaviors as we go through this process. And there's a healing message for each number to get us back to the goal that is inside of us and give us that compassion that I think you and your wife, Kristen, have found for each other and that has taken it like from you're doing this to spite me and now it's like, oh, it has nothing to do with you. I love that. And you know what's so cool is that, and you said it, Justin, it doesn't just translate into childhood or into your relationships, you know, but it also connects to your work relationships, right? Like professionally, oh, yeah. it's like the best people in relationships and work are the people who excel at one thing that they all have in common. You know what it is? Self-awareness. Mm. <laughs> The best thing leaders can do to improve their effectiveness is to become more aware of what motivates them and the decisions that they make. And so there has been like Forbes magazine and the Oakland A's baseball team and Stanford Business School and so many more that use the Enneagram for this reason. They are saying, we understand to know thyself is one of the most important things we can do. And so again, we'll unpack these as we go through this, but man, you know, what a helpful thing thing to work on with friendships. And so a lot of you by now are going, okay, how do we figure out our type? And there's a lot of different quizzes you can take, but in particular, there's a free quiz. You can go to Google and type in Enneagram free quiz. Enneagram is E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. The top one on there that will come out, it's kind of a weird website, but it's actually a good, I think, quiz. It's called eclecticenergies.com, <laughs> which is a weird site, but I take the classical version, eclectic, meaning E-C-L-E-C-T-I-C-E-N-E-R. 
E-L-E-C-T-R-G-I-E-S.com. And so most of you are driving. You're like, I have no idea. I'm going to have to go back to that. That's cool. But eclecticenergies.com, take the classical version and then go through this process. Listen to these episodes as we go through this next 11 weeks. And so you can figure out your type again under motivation. And so again, like the way it works, you guys, is like you could see three different people all climb the corporate ladder at work. Okay. But the reason why they do it couldn't be more different. Like the one climbs the corporate ladder because they can't stand the way things are running and they want it to be right and done properly. But the three climbs the corporate ladder because it's important to them to feel valued and significant and everybody loves them and you're the boss. While the eight climbs the ladder because perhaps he's just or she's just trying to see who's stupid enough to try and stop them. (laughs) You know, and so motivation matters. That's what's so, so important. And so let me say this too. If you're over the age of 30, listen listening to this and you want to take the Enneagram, when you do so, do so from a place of when you're thinking back to your early 20s. The reason why I say that is because your personality never changes, but your 20s, you haven't lived long enough to think that there's another way to do life. (laughs) And so you're like, wait, there's other people that think differently than me. You don't learn that until you're like later 20s. So think about that from the perspective of early 20s when you were just totally free, just being you. Don't try to take it from the perspective of like, this is the way I want to be, or this is the way I think I should be, or this is the way I am at work or this is the way I am at Christmas, you know, like think about this is me when I'm just at home being me. And I would even say, I know I've heard the opposite of this, but I completely disagree. I actually think that you should get help from friends and family. On this yes, too. I agree with that. Yeah, ask them, hey, what do you think I am? Wait, take it multiple yeah. times. Yeah, and I think we lie to ourselves a lot because of what we think we want to be or what we should be. Mm-hmm. And I think our spouses in particular, they're not blind to who we actually are a lot of the time and hopefully not afraid to help us just that way or parents that, no, you do that or, oh, which one do you think out of these or what answer do you think that it is for me? I think that's super helpful, especially Especially if you're like a nine, if you are, say, maybe like a six, and they have a really hard time knowing even their number, like even yeah. after taking an assessment, get other people involved in it that really know you have been around you for a long time, and they will help you do that. Because a nine is really going to have a hard time because they've tried to just be the peacemaker their whole lives and be what everybody else wanted them to be. And there's a lot of reasons why you might have a hard time figuring out that number. Get other people involved. So well said. Great advice. And lastly, as we close out here today, I think I would say this. If you're going going through the descriptions and you start feeling squeamish, you're probably zeroing in on your number. All right. And so if it's reading your mail and you're getting uncomfortable, that's probably going to help you realize that, you know what, that's probably me. And also realize you're not alone. Okay. Others are like you. You're not by yourself in this. You're going through that journey. So yeah, Justin, anything else you want to share about the beauty of the Enneagram before we close out? I mean, I just think that if you'll take this seriously, ask good questions of yourself and of the people around you and just trying to figure out like what is like the plank in my eye if you will like what is the blind spot the area in my life that of course is a blessing but it's also a blight like I'm this enthusiast as a seven and I can get the party started and I'm full of excitement and joy and all that. But also the reason I'm doing it is because I'm terrified of what's on the other side and of feeling the pain and all this. And that very thing, avoiding that pain is the thing that's going to cause the greatest pain in my life. 
And so for all of our numbers, the thing that you're trying to avoid the most, the thing that you're the scaredest of that will happen, will actually cause that thing to happen if you continue to avoid those things in your life, the things that are going to cause you to grow. So true. And so I would just say, I've taken it seriously, and it is changing my life and marriage for the better. I, I'm really thankful that I've gotten to even learn about this. And so I would just encourage you to take it seriously and really dive in and figure this out. It's very, very helpful. Totally. Yeah. Ones, twos, fours, and sixes are probably the most sensitive across the board. And I think banking on what you just said, friends, I'll say this, the truth will set you free, but first it'll make you miserable. Yes. (laughs) And that's okay. Immediate struggle will cause lasting freedom. I guess I would say this too. When you learn your number, friends, it takes away your excuse as to why you're not changing or blaming something on your personality. Like, oh, it's just the way I am. I can't help it. So deal with it. You know, that doesn't work anymore with the Enneagram when you take it. And remember also, insight is cheap, okay? Information is not transformation. So once you know your type, guys, you owe it to yourself and the people in your life to become a kinder, more compassionate presence in the world. And so this is is not meant to just be interesting, although it is. It's meant to be freeing as you engage in becoming your best self. And so, Justin, thank you so much for doing the introduction with me, brother. I appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for uh, letting me speak to it. Awesome. Well, we'll see you guys next week, and we will start out with the Enneagram 8. Cheers for now. Thanks for listening to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. Subscribe below, share it with your friends, and if you want to take your life, love, or leadership to the next level, check us out online at mattmorgan.com.